Our levels are looking good. Levels are Let's good. Let's do the beer glass test. Beer test. Welcome, everybody. It's Draft Politics. We're into episode 74, if you can believe it. I'm still here. It's EJ. And with me, as always, in a bright orange shirt. Yes. It's Steve. Uh, it is football Sunday, Broncos Sunday for me. And uh, Broncos are playing the Chiefs in the Sunday night flex game. So I have plenty of time to podcast today before that uh, the that hopefully victorious game starts. But You I'm mean not. some people out for the game? Mean after the game? No, at the game. Are you oh, like going game. to watch the game I'm going. Yes, I'm going to the bar, going to the Broncos bar. There's a uh, Broncos bar in Chicago. Yes, there is a Broncos bar in Chicago, the Irish huh. Oak. I know the Irish Oak. Yes. Great ventilation in there. <laughs> Sorry, if you couldn't hear my eyes roll. <laughs> yes. It is, a, it, is a, it is an old bar by <laughs> Wrigley standards, what, what which means I really, it's probably built in like 1987. Right. <laughs> what I really like about the Irish Oak is you can still smoke the same cigarettes that people smoked in there. <laughs> When it was legal to smoke, you just you get, I think, one cigarette an hour, you know, but they're aged. It's it's aged very well. And it's passed through that drop ceiling three or four times. OK, anyhow. <laughs> so come on by if you come want to watch by, the game. Yeah. <laughs> EJ sold it so well. <laughs> I actually miss the Irish Oak. That's one of the few places down there. I always you can come out going. tonight. Anyhow. So, we should Lots probably talk about talk politics about. rather than football. We should. We should. We should. We can talk about the politics of football, but that I feel like we yeah, haven't had anything new on that lately. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, first, uh, a sad bit of news this morning. Uh, former senator and presidential candidate uh, and veteran Bob Dole passed away today. Uh, uh, Viagra spokesman, if I recall correctly. I, th- I uh, He may have been. He may have been. Um, Pretty sure he was. Uh, Bob Dole. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's another one of those people who like. I, I there's that always that instinct of like, well, they've died. Let's talk about the good things they've done. But it, you know, he's got a lot of things he's had issues with. But it's worth thinking about like what his position on healthcare was when he ran for president, and it was basically what Obama eventually passed. Yeah, yeah. That's so a really good point. You know, it gives you a sense of, like, how things have changed over time. Yeah, and he was in the Senate for a long time, Republican leader of the Senate. I, again, a pretty reasonable person. So every time we can look back at reasonable people and say, hey, that was not not bad. Not bad. Uh, he was 98, so uh, a yeah, good— it, it, Yeah. If you get to 98, you're doing pretty good. He had a good run. He had a good run. Uh, also, good times coming out this week— <laughs> It really astounds me every time I read something where Donald Trump is asking people for money and clearly nobody has read what he's sending out. Yes. I, I'm going to read this sentence to you, everybody. <laughs> Follow along if you can. Anybody that doesn't think there wasn't massive election fraud in the 2020 presidential election is either very stupid or very corrupt. Note the doesn't think there wasn't. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I find myself agreeing with, with Donald right. Trump's statement here. And that was George Conway was like, had a whole Twitter thread about it. Like, hey, well, when you're right, you're right. 
That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even a blind squirrel finds the occasional right. nut. Here you go. So, yeah, so that's... Uh, and, you know, uh, sort of related to that, the Trump social network has announced $1 billion in shady funding. <laughs> I, I can't wait until we find out, like, how badly it's been hacked by somebody. Oh, yeah, it's pre-hacked. Yeah. It's well, pre-hacked. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Russians have pre-hacked it. That's, that's just true. Thank you. Quick programming note is that our pretzels have just arrived, so we're going to have a couple pretzels, and then we will continue. Thank you. And we're back. And the we're back. The magic of editing. Time has passed instantly. We've had a few pretzels with the cheese sauce. <sighs> we debated the merits of the pretzel. Well, there's, there's, the, there's the various forms of pretzel, right? Because right. there's the pretzel stick kind of thing, right. which is like a little bit longer, more like a, a breadstick kind of vibe to it. There's the actual pretzel. The pretzel shape. The there knot. are small pretzels. There are large pretzels. And then yeah. there are the pretzel bites, where yeah. it's like, you know, two inches to an inch long, somewhere in that ballpark. I think the bite is the correct form of pretzel do like the bite we do like the nugget that's it's a what good mix decided. of like the chewiness the mm-hmm. crispness the mm-hmm. saltiness it's really and today we're having the pretzel nuggets at twisted hippo so yes it's uh for you longtime listener it's a place we've been to several times uh it's very convenient for me and thank you steve for being willing to swing over to oh this. twist my arm to come to uh. twisted hippo <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're having a delightful beer. This is a new beer on their menu. It is, yes. yeah. Just just tapped this week. It's Alfalfa Harvest. I forgot the name, you. but when we come back, it's to a beer. hibiscus and honey cream ale. I know yeah. that, and it was, and it's new. I didn't. I don't follow this quite as religiously as as EJ does, having his close proximity here. Uh, but uh, I saw it, and I'm like, that sounds like my kind of beer, and I was not wrong. So. It is. It is quite good. It is quite good. We hardly ever gravitate towards the same beer, but today yes. we're getting it together. But anyhow, anyway, back to what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Trump. We, and well, we talked about uh, double negatives. Yeah, double negatives and uh, Trump's social network kind of picking up a bunch of funding like a damn virus. And speaking of viruses, Omicron, uh, Decepticon, um, Omicron, Omicron. <laughs> So, depending on... Okay, so there is a truly incorrect pronunciation, which is Omnicron. Right. Or Omnicron, which uh, Biden uh, uh, mistakenly was doing. 30330. 30330. There is Omnicron, which is the accepted English pronunciation, which is very common. There is also a Greek pronunciation of this word because it is, as it turns out, a Greek letter. It is. Therefore, the Greeks have a pronunciation of it. I don't know what it is, but I know it's different. So there you go. Which is more correct? Who Who cares? And of course, (laughs) something that I I was explaining to somebody is like, you know, in the Greek alphabet, as they're, they're just naming the variants based on the Greek alphabet, you know, Delta was the one we've all been worried about. That's letter four. Omicron is... Like letter 13, right? So so we didn't hear anything about epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, xi. But we did. This is the thing, though. We heard about I don't about remember hearing anything about I heard about lambda. Oh, I, I heard about gamma. A gamma was actually a variant of concern, but it, nothing came of it. Right, right. Well, because delta came out so fast. Delta after. came out, and that was the big one, and it's been dominant. And Omicron, 
Omicron? Uh, it, what's, what's, I think, really bringing it out in the news is that it appears to be highly contagious, and, and it's the, the dramatic number of mutations that have happened. It's like, right. you know, so it was like, oh, there's like one key mutation. There's another key mutation. This one has like 23. It's right. like Delta had nine. Right. This one has 23. And apparently, they've been like trying to figure out, like, well, why does it have so many mutations? And so it sounds like what happened was somebody had the coronavirus that is COVID and a coronavirus that is not COVID. And they kind of like played some Barry White. They paid some Barry White. There was some getting it on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that. I, don't, I also know how viruses do these things. Uh, I don't and, it, and, and frankly, it's none of my business. I'm not judging. Uh, but <laughs> what it means is that there are certain aspects of the kind of common cold virus yep. that are now part of COVID. That sounds horrible, right? Like, oh, God, we're all doomed. Except that it might be better because it make, maybe makes it, and we're trying to figure this out now, it might make it more mild, less virulent, but more contagious, which sounds bad, but it's actually better. better? Yeah, I think it's better. Because if we all got a less severe form and all got infected with it and all built up immunity, we'd actually be in much better shape. Yeah. And, the, you know, they've they've talked about it. The models kind of say it could be the dominant form in a couple of months. So Yeah. And right now, the big problem is still Delta. Like, yeah. Omicron is like a person here, a person there. I mean, like, to the point, like, right now we can track it and we're like, two people went to this thing and got it. Well, there, there were... Yeah. In a convention in New York where apparently it seems like that was going around. Or at least one person was there that had it, and so everybody was supposed to get tested. Yeah. There was a in a, a Christmas party in Norway. Somebody had come back from South Africa. Um, 75 out of 100 people tested positive. Yeah. And they're still sequencing everybody, but at least some they know are Omicron. Yeah. And we don't know even if it started in South Africa. Like right. We know like South Africa has a fairly strong detection system, yes. so it's like... They are more likely to pick up a variant than, you know, say the U.S., where it's like we have a, we have a lot of testing, but we don't necessarily do as much in terms of sequencing and tracking yeah, as it's true. You know, it's true. South Africa does. And that's why they started naming them after letters as opposed to places. Yes. Oh, so that was another one. So you talked about the letters that we skipped. One of the ones we skipped was uh, Z, or Xi, excuse me, Xi, XI. Yeah. Because XI is also she in Chinese as in Xi Jinping. So we didn't really want to name a virus that nominally came out of China for the current leader of China for some strange reason. Well, I mean, (laughs) we could have just called it the Winnie the Pooh variant. Right. And we've been blocked in China. I think we should pick, yes, I think we should pick children's uh, stories and fairy tales for our naming conventions for viruses (laughs) going forward. They're all Baba Yaga. Yes. So... uh, Obviously, more to come, right? Like, everything changes quickly. I, I personally am not, to say I'm not worried about it sounds a I little mean, we're weird. I mean, we in a bar in public with, you know. No masks. No masks, drinking our beers. Right. So and we're th- clearly not freaking out yet. No. No, I'm, I'm not freaking out. I'm, I'm, vac- I'm boosted. We're in a high vaccine rate area. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what what the data plays yeah. out in terms of vaccine efficacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are so many cases. Yeah. Um, but also what's interesting is the pill, right? So there's the, the treatment pill from Pfizer, how effective that is. Um, that there's also one from Merck as well that was... From Merck too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we're all kind of 
you know, just hoping that we just keep adding tools to the toolbox to be able to yeah. Well, and I keep think people it's like, alive, keep people safe. Yeah, and I think it's like if if it turns like sort of our best case scenario is that the the virus evolves to the point that it's relatively harmless and can spread easily. The virus will be happier. We will be happier. Um, otherwise, it's a matter of making sure that our systems are better able to respond to it, which means getting vaccines to Africa, uh, being able to get vaccines out the door quicker. And it means um, having a healthcare system that's more responsive to this kind of thing. So, like, uh, yes, absolutely. And the reason I think about this is the pills. Like, okay, cool. You're supposed to take this pill. You're supposed to take it like as soon as you have symptoms. But all right, so you have symptoms. Cool. You go get tested. How long does that take? Then how long does it take to give to get your doctor if you have a doctor to then prescribe right. you a treatment? Like, and you're talking about something you're supposed to get within a few days. Yeah, it's very to true. be effective. Yeah, and people don't want to believe that they have it. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's the other. You know, you just don't want to believe that that's a that's you, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the other thing that you mentioned there, and and it's something everybody should think about. I think is, uh, and I also heard uh, Andy Slavitt, who's got a, a a podcast about coronavirus and health policy and whatnot, talk about as well. Like, I think most people when they heard about the new variant. They instantly thought about their own <laughs> plans, like how are my plans going to change? Oh, yeah. or, um, but one of the reasons we have this problem is because there's such a huge gap in the vaccine availability and take up in not just different parts of the world. That's certainly true. You know, we've done 200 million doses or something of the vaccine here in the U.S., um, or we've got 200 million people fully vaccinated, and there are places in Africa where, you know, they vaccinated 4 million people, yeah. right? So what happens there affects us, um, and we don't often think about that. And and I think, just as you said, we're not thinking enough about how broken the, the medical system is here. It's, I mean, I think we're trying to... To go back to a, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? The guy who was the, who was in charge of our foray into Iraq, Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld said, you go to the war with the army that you have. And I feel like that is basically what we've done with, with our response to the pandemic. We went to war with the virus, with the healthcare system that we had. And mm -hmm. we found out a lot, like we've, we, and so we kind of have muddled through with that, but I don't think we've done enough to think about how do we make that system more resilient generally just not more resilient just right. resilient yes and accessible yes, yes. exactly um, yeah and uh, there's absolutely no doubt that the way people's interface with the metal with the healthcare system in the u.s leads to some of the hesitancy that that we have right sure. because sure. you know everybody's had everybody has had an experience where they ended up paying for things that they didn't know they were going to pay for, or just generally felt screwed by the healthcare system. Um, I, the other really interesting coronavirusy thing this week is maybe two things. One, uh, the NPR, the NPR uh, released a an article and a study about looking at the correlation of mortality rates from the virus and voting patterns in 2020. Yes. So if you are in a county that 
had more than 60% of the votes for Trump, you're more than two and a half times as likely to die of coronavirus than if you were in a yeah. Biden voting county, which, you know, nobody's like, oh, well, that's even controlling for age, right? Like right. that's. But I think there's two, two factors to think about there. One is, uh, you know, are you more likely to be vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. But there's another factor there is you're more likely probably to be in a rural area and the quality of health care that's available to you is likely to be lower. Uh, or in a more Republican state where the quality of health care tends to be lower. Right. And sort of related to that is governor of Missouri, Mike Parson, was like, okay, you know what? We need to understand how effective masks are. So they spent a bunch of money doing an, a study on the efficacy of masks. I'm great. I like this. Good idea. Good science. Great idea. Great idea. Where did this go wrong? <laughs> uh, well, and it showed that masks really help. They oh, empirical great. evidence, statistically significant Fantastic. differences in infection and mortality rates in places with mask mandates. And I assume they went to a mask mandate immediately. Oh, uh, or they just kind of pretended like they didn't do the study. So they just oh. didn't publish it. Well, that's weird. We only found out about it because of a FOIA lawsuit. I mean, like, I, could you imagine being in Missouri and having lost a loved one and then finding out later, like, oh, well, we knew that we should be doing mask mandates, but the governor just didn't like the message, so he buried it? Anyway, death call. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, so... So, speaking of optimistic, happy things in healthcare, how Supreme about that Supreme Court? Court? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as I'm sure everybody knows now, everybody is paying attention. The Mississippi ban on abortions after 15 weeks uh, had oral arguments this last week at the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, we always say that the Supreme Court. Everybody says this. You know, trying to read things and prognosticate based on the questions that are asked from the the justices is usually a, a pretty dicey operation. But like, it's not like they're really keeping it close to the vest, are they? I, yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was shocking, and and I'd like to say it's shocking to me because I watch every set of oral arguments. I do not, but usually when I do watch them, I'm like. Okay, well, that was an interesting question. And then I read the analysis later, and somebody's like, wow, they really telegraphed how they feel about that with that question. And I read it seven or eight times, and I'm like, I don't understand how that's telegraphing it, but okay. And this time I was listening to it. I'm like, this is, yeah. You know, Kavanaugh's like, so who cares about precedent? Oh, okay. Um, so it was a. Did he mention how much he likes beer? I, he, he didn't. He didn't. That okay. would have been the thing I absolutely could have related to him on. Yes. Um, but the justices kind of split across a few different lines, and it was all of the conservative justices. You had Kavanaugh like, who cares about precedent? I, unbelievably, no, no, sorry, totally believably, Amy Coney Bryant was like, do you really need abortions? Because adoption is really easy, and... Women are completely equal in the workplace. And so you could have a baby, put it up for adoption, and be back at work the next day with no risk of any kind of discrimination in the workplace. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I have to say, one of the things I've been 
thinking a lot about. So uh, one of the things that, uh, a personal thing is that uh, we are in the process of trying to adopt. Yes. And so I hear about things like that as though, like, adoption is just some magical, simple thing. Like, oh, you just, like, that's not how any of this works. Like, yeah. so much of what you learn as a potential adopting parent is about the the trauma of this experience for a birth mother giving up you know and it, i don't want to use the term giving up but like basically but all of what they have to go through of that they all of your hormones and whatever else are pushing you towards being bonded with this child yeah and then deciding to move on from that yeah it's just and it's like and and so acting like this is just no big deal and 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 it is, she reads to me as such a sociopath in that she has been a, she has given birth to multiple children so she knows what that experience is like yes and she's adopted children so she should know what that experience is like and yet somehow complete none disconnect. of that fucking registers no <laughs> I, it and again if you remember from the confirmation hearings she referred to her adopted children as lesser people through inference. And the language she used about her, her adopted children was completely different yeah. than the language she used for her birth Because she's a sociopath. <laughs> so, I mean, then, then you had on the other side, you know, sort of Judge Sotomayor, um, Justice Sotomayor. Sorry. Yes. I know you're listening. I apologize. You know, Essentially exposing this as, you know, her questions very much laid out. This is not about law or any kind of science. This is about completely about religion and belief. Like, I thought a really smart line of questioning around that, you know, which means that's what she's setting up as the dissent opinion. Yeah. And then Roberts, <laughs> like, you know, I, Roberts is conservative. I don't hate this guy. I don't have that. I disagree with him strongly. There's part of me that feels for him a little bit because he's like, for the love of God, I just don't want us to look stupid. And so you can always see him trying to find some some grasping way right. to hold he's things to, together. He's trying to maintain the credibility of the court attached right. to his name right now. He's like Spider-Man trying to hold the two parts of the train together. Yes. Right. You know, like, yes. and he's being stretched apart and he's like asking these questions like, so Maybe. So they don't recall the Spider-Man movie where his arms are literally ripped off because that's a that's what's happening. Uh, pretty much, yeah. that's more like the all drug Olympics sketch from Saturday Night Live. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, but he's gonna feel that in the morning. <laughs> but you know, he's asking questions about things like the the viability limit. So is fifteen weeks or thirty twenty six weeks like? Is this the problem with Roe versus Wade? You know, can we find some place where we don't get rid of Roe versus Wade, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're saying that the viability line is kind of arbitrary, so we should get rid of that, which would effectively get rid of Roe versus Wade. Well, right. yes. Um, and he's trying to find anything and like, like uh, he's, he's by himself, by himself all over there. And, and look, I think I, the way I, listen to that was that especially after mississippi explicitly changed their messaging around this to be specifically at just 
you know, retracting row. And by the way, putting in, in their brief, putting in all kinds of RB, RBG, you know, problems with the original row dis- decision, um, which is super disingenuous. Like, I don't see how it makes it through this. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, I, you know, this is all going on. We hear quotes coming out from what the justices are arguing. The reality is that Roe was destroyed in November of 2016. Like, that's when this all happened, right? Mm. Like, we knew at that point, guaranteed, Trump was going to get one Supreme Court justice, right? Yeah. And a decent chance he'd get a second, and it turned out he got a third. So this is not new this is based on mistakes that were made in the past where people did not think ahead about yep. what is the impact of our lack of enthusiasm for somebody we find vaguely disappointing. And this is what happens. And so now the question is, as Roe goes away, because I don't see this, I don't see any real compromise happening here. This is going to be, Roe ceases to be precedent. And, and by the way, this brings up an interesting thing is that, you know, the whole notion of um, uh, stare decisis. Yeah. Stare decisis. Stare decisis. Thank you. Uh, so the whole notion of stare decisis is a very theoretical concept, right? Because right. it's like, you know, the re- precedent matters. That's what this is about. Is right. One Supreme Court says something, another Supreme Court has to respect that. The courts have to respect that. The reason that we have that is becoming clear as you talk about what happens if Roe goes away. Because you've got states that have passed laws 20 years ago that said something against, you know, basically some abortion restriction. Is that viable? Is that applicable now? We don't know. Because it's been just simply ruled unconstitutional at that time. But if you suddenly say, well, now it's constitutional, what happens to a law you passed 20 years ago? Or there are trigger laws as well. Yeah. So like SB 6 yeah. from two years ago here in Illinois, three, three years ago in Illinois, where it says like, okay, if Roe versus Wade goes away, yeah. then we'll have an explicit law on the books that makes it legal in Illinois. Yeah. Um, and it is a really good question about, you know, how can you say that you've legislated a law? And this is, you know, sort of the Kav- one of the Kavanaugh arguments is like, well, the federal government should just let the states legislate this. If they legislated it, you know, years ago, hmm, what does that mean? Um, yeah. And, of course, I guess for the record, we should say that in every, in every hearing, uh, every confirmation hearing, They've all said, yep, precedence, precedence fine. This is settled law. Susan Collins, yep. Oh, no, I believe him. Settled law. Stare decisis. Yeah. It's, it's, all, not, it's all bullshit. It's all and so bullshit. Here's where we find ourselves. Is like, I was thinking about, like, well, what is it? What is, how do we unwind this, right? Like, so if they go through and they say Roe is gone, what's the next step, right? Yeah. And so, like, okay, well, can we do anything through executive action? Well, we already know... For example, that we've had um, recent rulings on oil drilling, for example. So yep. under the Trump administration, they were issuing permits. Under the Biden administration, decided to stop issuing permits. There was a lawsuit over that. A Trump-appointed judge said, you have to continue issuing permits. And so we continue issuing permits. So climate change doesn't matter anymore because of a Trump judge. Um, immigration, Title 42. So under Trump, we had this whole thing of uh, people needing to stay in Mexico 
if they're right. waiting for their asylum request to be processed. Right. Uh, purely an executive decision. There is nothing in legislation that is making that happen. Uh, a court decides, a Trump-based judge, after Biden switches this, a Trump judge says, no, you have to do this with Mexico. So they're saying you have to follow the precedent of the previous president who did it through pure executive action. You now have to obey his executive action because a Trump judge said so. So can executive action overrule what's going on? No, probably not. Can we do it through the legislature? So we go through and we say, all right, we're going to pass yep. a law that says law of the land. We're going to take Roe. We're going to take the basis of Roe. We're going to make it law, which many people have suggested is the way it should have been done in the first place. Yes. And that one of the problems with this is that Roe was legislating from the bench. If you can't hear my quote marks, that's what I'm Heavy saying. Heavy air quotes. Heavy air quotes. Um, but let's say the legislature does that. There's no reason that a lower court can't strike that down as unconstitutional because it goes in a opposition to the ruling that is being made as we speak. Hmm. Well, it, it will, it'll depend on what that ruling is. It will depend on the makeup of the court, right? And yeah. so the problem we have is that Amy Comey Barrett is 50. I, if we look at actuarial tables, the chances are I will be dead before Amy Comey Barrett is no longer on the Supreme Court. I'm 47 for context, people. So, Oh, that's bleak. Right. So that's, that's how drastic this change is, is that we're talking a 6-3 majority for conservatives at this point, right? So you're talking... 20 years before we're even flirting with a, a split majority at this point. I mean, so Clarence Thomas is not a healthy man. <laughs> right. But we have very, he gets the finest medical technology. RBG was like a living tumor and somehow <laughs> managed to limp <laughs> to the ripe age. It is, so it is true. So you've, you've got all the med medical science in the world, you can get pretty far. And also... Love RBG. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, <laughs> don't, don't misread amazing, what I'm saying. Amazing longevity. But she, she was, uh, she had a lot going on. She did. <sighs> so what I'm trying to say is, and this isn't, this does not mean that there isn't things that we can't, we can, there are things that we can do through democratic action. But at some point, there has to be a recognition that this court yeah. is about to exceed its mandate. And this is what Roberts is concerned about. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely what he's concerned about. We need to take democratic action to change the way the Supreme Court operates. Because this clearly violates all of legal tradition in a way that's unusual, shall we say. Yeah. So anyhow, I I've I was I know that was a bit of a bummer. I didn't but I feel like we gotta be honest about where we sit with this. And it doesn't mean that we can't change things. But it means we got to work our asses off to do it even more so than yes. what we have been. And start winning in the states. I don't know about you, but after that, I think I need a beer. That's so correct. I'm going to so select a beer. Selecting and, uh, a beer. We, then we will continue momentarily. Well, well, well Steve does. Th it is the alfalfa dreaming that we've got here. Uh, it's served in a snifter glass, like just a small tulip. It's really, uh, really astoundingly good. Was not expecting to like it so much, if I'm honest. Almost sour, but not quite sour. Kind of refreshing, not a high ABV. 
like kind of a weedy finish. I, I don't know how they did it, but it's amazing. Um, as always, the folks here at the Twisted Hippo always doing all kinds of crazy, crazy good stuff. Indeed. And I've ordered my beer, so we can continue any moment now. Yes. So, Idiots in D.C. Yeah, this so is let's, <laughs> let's move to some lighter topics. Uh, idiots in D.C. is, uh, well, I mean, you know, there's none of our, none of our topics are ever really light. But <laughs> not even our beers are light. Right. It's just not like our even style. we're making fun of Trump, we're like, that guy was a president. Oh. <laughs> People are giving him a billion dollars. Yes, my beer is definitely not light. Uh, I got a, got a milk stout, everybody, and uh, it is dark as my soul. Anyhow. Wow. Wow. So idiots in D.C., actually, there, there are plenty. Um, I'm going to combine some things here, and maybe the, the positive thing, idiots in D.C., government shutdown seems to be averted. McConnell's, like, bored with shutting down the government. I guess. All right. Okay. I mean, seems to be. Uh, I think, I mean, yeah, I think it, it reads as every time the government shuts down, Republicans get blamed, so McConnell's sort of gotten over that. And, and most of the reason why the Republicans get blamed is because the government shuts down and a bunch of Republicans are like, yay! Like, that's not really how the game's supposed to work, guys. You're supposed yeah. to pretend you have a problem with it and then it's the Democrats' fault. Um, but the debt stealing ceiling still exists. Yes, so that's that's coming up and we got to fix that particular piece of stupid. Um, but yeah, the, the most idiotic of the things we've seen in D.C. recently is the Patriot Front. Walk Look, us through this, E.J., because this is... First of all, I just want to start with their name. And they used to be called Vanguard America, but they had to rebrand after Charlottesville. Oh. And so they chose Patriot Front. Oh, and by the way, this is a white supremacist group. Like, there's not actually even any question about that, right? I mean, I mean, this was going to be my question. If you're rebranding to something and you choose Patriot Front, is that because... You think you don't want people to know that you're a white supremacist? Is there, is there in any, any situation other than the song Eminence Front, is there a time where the title of something with front like that is not going to be the bad guys? Front 242. Okay. The good guys are never front. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, I like that music. But there it Anyhow. is. Uh, yeah, so the Patriot Front. But yes. Went marching through D.C., taking back America. Yeah, they had, and they had, like, plastic shields. They had knee pads. Like, clearly they were suggesting they were ready to have a fight with somebody. Sure. But nothing ever really happened. And it was not a large group. No, it never is. Yeah. Like, uh, it, like I got the sense it was, like, in the hundreds. Like, it wasn't, like, much bigger uh, If than that, that, yeah. A yeah. couple of hundred people. And here was the amazing thing. They kind of, they go through this big, we're marching and we're, so well organized and listen to us you know because we've got the strength in numbers and we can do these things and then they they like get to this area where they're kind of stopped and they can't get back to where they started and they've got to have a u-haul come and pick them yeah, up they, they apparently their transportation i gather to and from this event was u-haul trucks <laughs> like I mean, a charter bus. Come on. Like, people, like, there are things with seats. Like, you just think you're like, oh, we're like military people, and we get to be in, like, a cargo vehicle that 
we jump out of. Yeah. Like, like it's a C-130. Um, I don't understand, guys. But and, I don't and understand most of what they're about. So. I, this is the same group that had a similar problem when they were chased out of a protest, right? And they had, like, a bunch of dudes in the back of a pickup truck. And they were just running away in panic and, like, leaving stuff behind because they had no idea what they were doing. I mean, so you just kind of hope that this is the state of white supremacy in the U.S., that they're just that dumb. Speaking of which, Representative Boebert is that dumb. (sighs) No. I don't think she is that dumb. That's the problem. I think that... So, a little little background on this is that... uh, she has been making comments about uh, Ilhan Omar, who is also a member of Congress. Correct. Um, basically standard uh, racist Muslim attacks, suggesting yeah. she's a terrorist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so is, it, is that dumb? And, the answer, and I think that it's calculated. I think that it is she knows who her voters are. She knows that if she... I mean, we're talking about her right now, and there's a lot of people talking about her right now because right. of the racist shit she's pulling. Yeah, and she true. is getting fundraiser b- bonuses from this, I'm sure. So, I mean, that's that's the troubling thing about where we find ourselves, is that there is a reward system for people acting worse and worse on the oh, right. That's true. That is true. I was supposed to be getting positive or, or fun, right? Like I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just like you know what? Here's the thing: it's cloudy, rainy. It is rainy and like barely above freezing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked here because I'm a moron. Like my shoes are a little damp. Like I think I'm just in a, just a dark mood. A dark mood. That's uh, true. I'm having a dark beer. Yeah. Well, let's. You let's, know what? We had a couple other a you know kind of sad things here. <laughs> let's skip over them. Right. We'll skip that one. Let's skip over those. <laughs> Look, Build Back Better, I think, is coming. I think that's moving along. We all knew it was going to be hard, but I think it's coming. <coughs> that went down the wrong and way. And now Steve's got the COVID. <clears throat> I'm for glimpse. Build Back Better, I think, is coming. Again, nothing to, no real, I mean, you know, it's mostly the places it needs to be. It'll get sure, there. Sure, sure. I'm willing to believe you. I'm positive about it. But let me tell you what's really going to cheer you up. All right. It's on the international front. Okay. It's really going to cheer you up. As you know, as you know, Germany had to find a new chancellor yes. after Angela Merkel left. Yes. And she held up under the massages of George W. Bush. I mean. And, and has lasted many, many years, but now has decided to retire. Right. They had elections. It's been... You know, it's been a whirlwind there in Germany. But for the first time, the Christian Democrats, her party, did not win the plurality in the last elections. And I don't know. I'm sure everybody's just perked right up. Edge of their seats now. Yes. The Social Democrats won the plurality with 26% of the vote over 24% of the the Christian Democrats. So they had to form a coalition. And you're going to love this coalition. Everybody's super excited about it. The Green Party. The Social Democrats and the Liberal Free Democrats. It's the best thing about a multi-party All the system. Lefts. Yeah, everybody's got some. I I honestly have no idea what the differences are amongst any of these parties. Right, they all like, sound they're like, all like, like way to the left of our politics. So cool. <laughs> 
So I mean, this is this is who fantastic. would you guess? Who would you guess of those three parties? So we've got Social Democrats, right. The Greens, and the Liberal Free Democrats. Who is the most conservative of those three? Do you think? Oh, uh, I mean, it's got to be the Social Democrats. Probably. Though it depends on like liberal free Democrats, like that could be like kind of a libertarian vibe, like the whole like we're for you know, you know social justice, but don't take our money. Like it might be, I don't know, I don't know how their system works. It might be, but, but they probably, probably wouldn't not. have a coalition with the Green Party, right? Presumably. So I think the Greens and and this is one of the things I love about multi-party systems. <laughs> I love a lot of things. You know, they've got to figure out, like, essentially allocation of the cabinet seats based on. So that's part of the negotiation. Well, hey, Greens, you're going to get, you know, right. And they can inevitably say, like, well, normally you give us four seats based on these ratios, but we want these three and like the most important ones or, you know, however they want to do it. So, oh, that's so glorious. I. I really feel like they've got it figured out there. Uh, they've got it figured out. Uh, you know, they've got union representation built into corporate boards. I mean, they have beer halls. <laughs> beer I hall mean, pushes, right? It's just, it's just so good. I mean, it, 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 look, I, I just, I wanted to bring it up. They're figuring it out. You know, completely normal transition of power. Um, so it's been great. It's been great. Good job, Germany. Feeling dumb. I have a question, and I don't think there's an answer, but just something to think about here. Yeah. So one of the things that the U.S. has been referred to as the leader of the free world for some time. Sure. Is that Germany now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think that's entirely possible. Probably. <sighs> okay. Well, it'll yeah. it'll yeah. depend on who the new the new chancellor is, right? That's true. Although with that coalition, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, well, I mean, because I think part of the, the, the mantle of leader of the free world, it's not just behavior of the legislature, but it's the way that it's the way that the leaders act on the world stage, right? And yeah. I think that that is, that's important. You know, it's got to be somebody you can vote. And hey, look... You know, most people, I think, do not like uh, Vladimir Putin, but they know who he is. They know what he stands for. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for a long time, I think you could look at the president of the United States and say, I may not know all their, you know, the details of what they, you know, the individual policies, but we know they stand for freedom and, you know, fair votes and non-fascist tendencies and that's been eroded over the last you know five years so yeah so anyhow yeah i think they are i think they are uh two quick things about 2022 yes stacy abrams running, running for, for governor, governor in georgia in georgia can't wait looking can't forward to wait nearly lost last time vote was somewhat rigged and in, in an actually legitimate way i mean illegitimate but you know what i mean yeah not in a trumpian version of illegit Anyhow, so and I, and I will go down to Atlanta to campaign. I will go. I'll go out to the suburbs of Atlanta to campaign for her. Um, amazing, amazing. Right. I'm so glad. Uh, and Dr. Oz running for Senate in Pennsylvania, carpetbagging from New Jersey, uh, coming into Pennsylvania. Now, 
I'm not not happy about this. Uh, on the other hand, like, is he worse than Toomey? I don't know enough about Toomey. I mean, he's a fairly generic Republican, so maybe Oz is worse. Maybe he's better. I don't know. I mean, I would much rather have the Democrat win that seat. Yes. And I do worry that, like, I do imagine, like, I imagine a Fetterman versus Oz campaign and that being super weird. Yeah, it's super fun to watch. Because, like, I think about, like, Oz is a, you know, a, a, a quack doctor. Yes. Fetterman has that, like, just got off his Harley vibe to him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and has, like, a weed smoke around him, like pig pen. Right. Like, I can see, like, you know, I think about the guys who listen to the Joe Rogan podcast who are probably more Republican-leaning voters and being like, Looking at those two and be like, eh, I kind of like this guy on the motorcycle with the cloud of pop behind him. Not the guy know. that's on. That not was the from guy. Not the, not the quack doctor. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if they think it through that well. What's really going to be interesting, and I'm, I'm telling you, is where does Oprah come out in this? Right, because <laughs> she's responsible for Doctor Oz yes. at this point. So, like, and then I, and then I started thinking, like, why doesn't Oprah run for something? But I don't really want her to run on it. No. Like, honestly, like I don't. No. Her, she's a little odd. A little, She's a little, little narcissistic. Uh, um, well, but which is why, like most politicians, hey, I do want to give you some other good news. Something to lift your spirits. The Detroit Lions have won a, a football game. Oh, okay. Here you go. They beat the unvaccinated Vikings from Minnesota. Well, there you go. Nice Kirk Cousins or whoever their quarterback is. Yes, I believe that is the quarterback, yes. All right, so you've gone to your second beer. It's uh, much darker. Yes, it is uh, their milk stout. I don't recall the name of it. It's their just standard milk stout. It is their standard milk stout, though. I was, like, ready to just sort of embrace my my dark mood today with a dark beer, which is delightful. It's got a little kind of that... That smoky quality. It's it's got a little of that milk sweetness going on. Uh, quite lovely. Yeah, I should know the name of that stout right off of the top of my head, and I do not. But I will come up with it in just a moment. Um, so, and you went with something on the. It, it's interesting because we started off unified, yeah, we the did. same beer, and then we went to our corners. We you went to your your hoppy beer. I went to my my I, dark beer. I, I did. I did kind of go. It's it's something umbrella. It's uh, it's uh, black umbrella, is the name of that. Um, super good. Real. I, I actually really like that stout. Um, I think that's the the milk stout. So now this I, is the uh, Midnight Revere. Is oh, the Midnight Revere. That's a new one, actually. All right, there you go. I I don't know that. Ooh, five point three only. That's good. Um, I went for the C Hop one thirty seven, or as I just call it, the Get to the Chopper. Got it. Get to the Chopper. Um, it's just an IPA. It's it's good. I like it. It's got hops. Yeah, many hops, more hops. Um. And it seems to be a regular now, which I really well, appreciate. There you go. Um, it was a limited time, and now it's here all the time. Yep. And I love it. So that brings us to the highlight of this program. I know we've talked about all kinds of things that are important, meaningful, sometimes comical, sometimes dark. We're at the point that we've been meaning to get to for the last, I don't know, hour or so that we've been yammering. Let's talk Ward maps. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Very quickly, for those of you who don't live in Chicago, hello, Ula in Norway. 
Chicago has 50 wards. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. New York has like six. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're supposed to be roughly divided evenly amongst the population. So every 10 years after the census, we redo all the, the yes. ward maps. And Try if to balance you follow them out. congressional politics, you can imagine yeah. how accurately these are all divided. <laughs> um, and the process is essentially like everything else. It's, a, it's an ordinance. You know, so it has to go through the city council, go through the rules committee. The maps get drawn up. They have to get approved by 41 members of the city council. So more than a, you know, it's a super majority uh, needs to approve these things. And this last week on Tuesday was the big reveal of the map. What is the map? Of the map. Tell so, me, EJ, what is the map? Who? Uh, there, are, there isn't the map. There are two maps. Oh, well, that's weird. Huh. Well, don't we need one? <laughs> yeah, well, we actually eventually need one. Oh. And so I, I watched the city council meeting because I knew it was coming. And I was like, I can't wait to see what the new maps are. Because, look, when you look at these maps, because they're trying to carve populations out, it is street by street. So in my, in my neighborhood... My block is in one ward, and the block south of me is in another ward. Yes. And it's not like a... There's not a major road between us. It's a minor street, right? Like it's... You know, and in the previous maps, that block below us was in the ward, in the same ward. Yeah. So you have to... It's very precise. Yeah, where, where, where my wife used to live, it was in this like... There was like a, a one block sort of like cutout. They're just sort of like... So, like, the other side of her alleyway was a different ward because they want to cut this little inroad yes. to get the right voters to the right ward based and on whoever was in charge. Right. And when you read the descriptions of the ward, it's like this block from this, I mean, so street level. So I was really looking forward to seeing these maps. And the main map was submitted as, like, a Xerox copy. No, no, I think we we wished it were a Xerox copy. It was, like, the... 1980s mimograph copy. <laughs> it's in purple. <laughs> yeah, you can't see it at all. Um, you know, some interesting things about it. So, you know, trying to balance. Uh, look, when you're draw, drawing maps, is not an easy thing. Well, and one of the things to understand about the dynamics of this is that if you look at the overall population of Chicago, the ratio of black voters to Latino voters has changed. And so that is a big part of the dynamic in terms of, like, determining what the ward maps look like. Right. Right. And, you know, when you actually talk about, they, they'll talk about the wards in terms of uh, racial majorities inside of the wards. So the, the, there were two proposals, one from the Hispanic Caucus, with about 11 people backing it, and then the sort of mainstream one, I guess. The mainstream one had 16 majority black wards, 14 majority Latino wards, one majority Asian ward for the first time. So, you know, for the first time ever, Chinatown would be okay. in one ward, which is, oh, which is very cool, right? Um, and the Latino ward maps were balanced a little differently, as you might, as you might imagine. Um, again, as far as people could tell, because, again... You know, for some of these things, you can't see down to the street level. Um, and that really is, you know, that gets pretty important. And we'll talk about why street level gets important in a second. 
Um, but seriously, this grainy-ass print of the word maps, barely helpful, gives you these kind of big, uh, like, oh, I can kind of see what's happening, but, you know, a lot of the details matter. Yeah. At least the Latino Caucus, their maps, they did in as a Google Map overlay. And so you could drill in and you could find those individual things because I will tell you, and I think I brought this to your attention, Steve, your house, if you look at, I, I believe in both maps, your ward probably changes, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm yeah, positive so in the Latino ward I, map. I will just say that I have lived in the 47th ward for 17, 20 years, maybe somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I've been involved in, in multiple aldermanic races. This is where I live, uh, except for somebody might have redrawn the map, and now I'm in a different ward. And I'd be in the 46th, I believe, was yeah, the... Yeah, 46th is probably, which is currently Kappelman's ward. Yes. Um, but he's retiring. But so he's retiring. That's so, a whole other thing. So I could have a strong opinion about him, but apparently it won't matter, because by the time any of that happens, he won't be in office. Um, it, correct. And you'll have a much better... Uh, just keep in mind that Kappelman won by the skin of his teeth last time. He beat uh, uh, somebody who I thought was clearly the superior candidate. Um, and... And maybe we'll have her on, on the program, yes. actually. Yes. She's fantastic. Yes. She's fantastic. Um, so, and science, which is good. She's a PhD, chemical engineering. Um, Hard so, to argue that. So you've got, we're, we're like looking at the maps, lots of overlaps, you know, some key differences. Um, again, it's hard to know exactly what the details are because mimograph versus Google Maps. Um, but then you start to see the chicago portions of this. And I'll tell you that my interest in politics here in Chicago especially kicked in after the last ward maps were drawn. So, you know, I'd heard things about what happens with the ward maps. Uh, and things like, I'm going to coin this term, the Mel Maneuver, where you remove opponents from your ward. Yeah. So, you know, some interesting things across all of the maps. Carrie Austin, who is currently an alderman, has been a long-time alderman, drawn out of her ward. Yeah. <laughs> Just straight up. <laughs> um, and she's been elected several times. She's been around a long time. Um, alderman Tabaris, 23rd ward, also drawn out of her ward. She was appointed, not elected, so it's a little different, but still drawn out of her ward. So th that that is an intentional choice, right? Yeah. That is somebody saying... I would like you to compete with these other people, just like, you know, just like what's happened in Illinois in the congressional maps where Kinzinger was like drawn into a congressional district with another Republican. Right. So. But very clear things there. Um, Deb Silverstein, uh, alderman of the 50th Ward. She has taken a lot of damage from a couple of very vocal folks. Um, who ran against her and things like that. So Haley Kazada, who is a, uh, a teacher, um, all-around great person, um, a teacher ran against her last time, organizing against her, uh, ran against her for a committeeman, committee person, rather. But if you look at the drawn maps, the 50th Ward has an island in the middle of it. 
that encapsulates the two blocks where her, where Deb Silverstein's <laughs> biggest like opponents live. Like, so it's like it's not even like a, a peninsula. It is actually an island. Uh, no, it's it's an isthmus. Okay, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> so, like, there's at least got to be something connecting to somewhere else. Yeah, through okay. a park. Okay. So there's... <laughs> so it's not, it is, I mean, it's terrible, but it's, it's genius. <laughs> you look at it and you go, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I can't... Like, there's no hiding that. There's no, like, oh, boy, I bet, I bet we should have... Uh, and... Yeah, it really really astounding Chicagoishness. <laughs> the other uh, thing that I found super fascinating was Lincoln Yards. So again, for those of you not sort of steeped in Chicago politics, Lincoln Yards is this development project that's had some controversy. Had some controversy. Uh, who's going to fund it? TIF funding. So, you know, where's this money going to go? It's in a super valuable spot. Uh, property should be really valuable and it's industrial things right now. Yeah. Arguably, you know, a scrapyard should not be in that spot anyway for environmental reasons at all. So the alderman for the second ward had been pushing for this for a long time. And he was like, this is going to be the best thing for the city. Ah, da, 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 I, we should do it. Got it through somehow. And the new ward maps draw it into somebody else's ward. Yeah. Scott Wagesback, who's a longtime alderman, progressive caucus alderman. Uh, head of the finance committee um, that he took <laughs> over from Ed Burke. The developers of Lincoln Yards are like, see that, and they're like, oh god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna ride us. <laughs> so, I'm I'm gonna say on a Chicagoy level, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a good seven point five. <laughs> um, I and and look, I've I've just been getting into them. I really want to see those street level maps because that's really gonna matter. Um, I, I will say this about the, the maps. There is some, some real compactness into them that didn't exist before. Yeah. So I live in the 33rd Ward. Um, the way I described the 33rd Ward before was that it was very tall north to south. So it spanned four different neighborhoods um, and three different transportation corridors. It was on the Brown Line, on the Blue Line, the freeway, like Irving Park Road, like really hard to have consistent policy across all of them and also like if you want to have an accessible ward office how do you do that in a place where everybody can get to it easily right and well especially when you consider the way that chicago transit is laid out is an in or out of the city so when you do right. it vertically like that you're actually cutting across that which makes it harder to have that yeah exactly and you know so you see a lot of places where neighborhoods are held together a little bit better which i think is good so the proposals for the 33rd Ward, again, where I live in, interesting. Um, both of them cut out the former alderman, Deb Mel, son of, or daughter of Dick Mel. Um, and the difference, you know, they, they encompass more of Albany Park. One big difference, and this is, again, kind of fascinating, the Latino Caucus map cuts out uh, a sub-neighborhood, that is Ravenswood Manor. Yeah. So it is the part of the 33rd Ward who went most against the current alderman, uh, uh, Rosanna. And this is like the area where, like, Blagojevich lives. And yes. Yeah. So it's the, you know, one of the armor, somebody in the armor family 
fun lives there. It's a it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's nice, right? Yeah. It's a nice sub neighborhood. Um, so they've pushed that into forty seven, and they've taken parts of forty. So that's so that's the part that's being created in forty seven that I am now being kicked out of forty seven. That is for. part of it, right? So it's it's you know it's not to put too fine a point on it, but taking the white people from thirty three and putting them into forty seven to associate them with Lincoln Square. Yeah. As opposed to and really protecting thirty three as a supermajority Hispanic neighborhood or ward. Um, again, I there is no judgment here at all, right? It's interesting. Yeah. You know, there's some good thinking that goes into it, although there's some trade off there because the fortieth ward becomes less Hispanic. Um, and that's Andre Vasquez's ward. Yes. Um, so uh, really interesting stuff. Now, what's going to happen? They've got well, and this is between two maps, so we don't really know which one is going to... Well, the, both sides have an opportunity to try to get 41 votes in 40 days. If okay. they don't, then it goes to a referendum. It sounds very biblical. It does. It does. <laughs> seven times. You have denied my map seven times. <laughs> or maybe three times so before the cock Because <laughs> we don't have a map yet. Um. It starts raining Malort because it's Chicago. Right, right? yes, yes. Which would be worse than toads. <laughs> I would ra- much rather have the toads. But do you remember how many votes I said the, the Latino caucus map had? How many all It was like 11? Scored? It was 11. Ah, so and good. so you need 41 to pass one. Yeah. So that means That's if you keep that block of, four, of, of 11 together, they can then either map can get passed can by the... Veto. Right. Um, I, I think the other super interesting part about this. Well, wait, 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 wait. If it's six, so there's 60 wards. 50 wards. 50 wards. Sorry, you're right. Okay. I was like, anyhow, yes, go on, move on. Oh, you know what? It, how my brain did that? It was like, it was Philip, like it translated my brain as a filibuster, filibuster, filibuster right. 60, yeah, yeah. like, okay, now I totally like, understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Totally understand, but 50 wards, approximately 61,000 people. And per I don't know ward. if you know this, I've been drinking, so. Barely. Barely. So, uh, that's going to be really interesting maneuvering. My suspicion is that the city ward map will get adopted after two people get peeled off from the Latino caucus by virtue of some kind of bribe. <laughs> right, because Chicago. <laughs> um, I'm, I, again, uh, super interested. Well, I imagine in that of the Latino caucus, like, there are, there are going to be some aldermen who get very explicit benefit from the new map and some who are loosely getting benefit from it. Yeah. Again, you know, there are some good things in the maps. I'm not going to lie. Like, I I can see the compactness. I can see pulling things together um, into neighborhoods because neighborhood identity is a thing. Yeah. In in Chicago and, and, again, Albany Park, where I live, where we are right now, um, split across five different wards, which is insane. Yeah, for a small area. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, given that we have a very clear sense in Chicago of neighborhoods, yeah, that like you would think that any given neighborhood would tend to be largely contained within one ward. Like Lincoln Square is all within forty-seven, pretty yes. much. It is. There might be. Part, uh, okay, yeah. It's no, it's much, all yeah. in 47. Yeah. Um, and you've got Bowmanville, which is like 47-40. Right. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. going to be a little bit of 
you know, some some areas are bigger than others. Like Lakeview is huge, right? So right. that's not going to be just, you know, it might get split up more. But um, So it really is, look, it's a fascinating process. But it's interesting. I think what's interesting about this is, like, how, I mean, we, we talk about things at the congressional level and, you know, and, and, it, and it's, it feels very big. And so it's a little hard to kind of wrap your brain around how those changes are happening other than, like, well, you know, there'll be this many representatives and, and, and all of that. When I, when, I, when I see a ward boundary change, like, a, two blocks, and that means I have somebody else yeah. representing me all of a sudden, like, that's, it, it brings it home. It, for me, because it's all about me, you understand. I, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Having, you know, hung out for, no, no, no. But it does. Like, you, you're like, oh. and, and look. The ward, and this is the the really interesting thing in Chicago. The ward you're in, you know, to a big extent, doesn't matter that much. It matters less than it used to. Yeah, it's true. It does. But, I mean, matter they still have some. To. Yeah, like the aldermen have some, you know, input on zoning and and things like that, and so they can affect like kind of what, how your neighborhood develops and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there is an impact there for sure. But yeah, we'll see. Anyway, I think that's all we've got for you this week. I think it is. Which is probably more than you could take. Right? <laughs> right. We'll be more positive next time. And hopefully, it'll be sooner. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully the news will cooperate with us. Thanks uh, for sticking with us. Yeah, absolutely. Get your vaccines. Get your boosters. Learn be how nice to, to your neighbors. Omicron. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>